Something else happened last night that uh, you probably slept right through. And that was a massive asteroid. Large enough to wipe out an entire city. It just missed us. Apparently late yesterday. It just whizzed right on by unbeknownst uh, to all of us, but our lives would have been completely changed. Probably wouldn't be sitting here, actually, if that thing had hit us. Wow. Uh, What was at stake exactly? And uh, how close did it really come? Joining me now is Paul Delaney, 640 Toronto's expert in astronomy and space exploration, professor of physics and astronomy at York University. Hi, Paul. Hi there. Good morning. Yes, we are still here, which is a good thing. Exactly. I was going to say, it is a good morning when we're not wiped out by an asteroid. How close did this thing come to us? Well, this one, I think, was somewhere in the vicinity of 100,000 kilometers. The information, we only found it literally less than a week ago, so some of the information is still uh, unclear. But it certainly came within the orbit of the moon, but and that's near in astronomical terms, but, you know, a miss is a miss. So it doesn't really matter whether it was 20,000 kilometers or 200,000 kilometers. This one missed us, and it's on its way away from us, which is the good news. Okay, it's going to hit somebody else, presumably, perhaps. Well, that's that's fine. Potentially, potentially. <laughs> okay, how big was this rock? Uh, this one looks as if it was about 100 meters in diameter, so it would have packed a wallop. As you said, you know, if it was uh, impacting uh, a populated area, it would do significant damage. Uh, by the same token, you know, 70% of the Earth's surface is water, so you know, there's a little bit of reassurance there that even if it did have us squarely in its sights, the chances of it actually landing on a populated area are fairly small. But nonetheless, a 100-meter diameter object slashing through the Earth's atmosphere and impacting the surface at tens of kilometers a second releases a phenomenal amount of energy. So even if you're not at the impact site, you could still have serious repercussions uh, fires which would spontaneously erupt in the area, dust being thrown into the upper atmosphere, which would cool down the planetary surface. These things are dangerous. There's no two ways in the world about that. And that's why we keep looking for them. Okay. Now you just mentioned cool down. I can just see how the global warming, you know, wheels start turning. Maybe we just need a big asteroid to throw some dust. Not the way to do it. No, not <laughs> what, the way to do it at all. <laughs> well, this has happened before in history, though. I know, I think it was Siberia where a giant uh, asteroid slammed in and changed our atmosphere considerably for a number of years. Uh, what would be the impact, atmospherically speaking, um, if this thing did hit, you know, somewhere far away, but threw up a giant cloud of dust into the sky? Well, certainly the event that you're referring to is the Tunguska event, and that occurred back in 1908. And it was something like a kilometer in diameter. It was an airburst explosion that literally flattened hundreds of square kilometers of the uh, Siberian tundra. Fortunately, it was truly in the middle of nowhere, and there were no reported casualties. But the evidence of the destructive power of that airburst, it didn't even hit the ground, it was an airburst, was pretty evident. So the sorts of uh, things that we are talking about here are a lot of dust being thrown into the atmosphere and carried around by the jet streams. And it would take literally many, many years for that to settle out. And so, yes, you end up blocking a little bit of solar radiation that is coming through to the Earth's surface therefore cooling down the planetary surface, for uh, depending on how big the object is, anywhere from a few years to a few decades. And we see this even with more modest explosions, uh, the Mount St. Helens eruption, uh, Krakatoa over in Indonesia uh, a few months ago. They throw up a fair amount of dust into the atmosphere, and it actually 
darkens our atmosphere. We we get slightly darker twilight. You get darker lunar eclipses and so on. So you can actually see visibly the effect of dust in our atmosphere. And if there's enough of it there, you can actually impact the ecosystem. And that would be bad news. Not at 100 meters, not for many years. Uh, but, you know, once you get up to half a kilometer in diameter, now you're talking about a really significant amount of material into the atmosphere. And that's when you get the effects that are commonly referred to as nuclear winter. Okay, that sounds very grim. Um, now, this atmos- this uh, this particular asteroid is called Asteroid Twenty Nineteen OK. How yeah. did they pick these names? May I ask? <laughs> it's well, not okay first, at all. No, it's not. The first one of the year is AA. Well, ah. actually, the first, and then AB, AC, AD, and that gives you a bit of an idea of how many we find per year when you get up to O and K. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, it, it's just a, a simple progression. So the next one that we find will be OM and so on. So uh, the OK, yes, is decidedly misleading. As, as I say, we're continually looking for these things, but it's really hard to find these small ones. A 100-meter diameter object uh, is not reflecting very much light, and we only pick up those sorts of objects when they are bright enough and they're moving across our you know our field of view, and that's when we would detect them. If you take a quick snapshot it looks like a point of light it looks like a star there's nothing to call it into question but when you watch it for say a couple of images and it moves that's when we detect it and so we've got all of these surveys around the world looking for these types of hazards but as I say, they still sneak through because they're small, faint, and fast. Yeah, and this one did sneak through. Apparently, uh, it's, researchers said it appeared sort of out of nowhere um, and didn't confirm the discovery until a few hours after it passed. So for all our, our searching and seeking, um, can, is it still possible that, you know, something could sneak through and, and, and just yeah, collide with us? I mean, this one didn't, but uh, I won't say what's the point of looking for them all, but I mean, what would we do anyway if we did see one on a collision course for Earth? I mean, is there anything we could do? Okay, well, answering your first question uh, with respect to, uh, you know, is, is there a point? The bigger ones are the ones that are really dangerous. I mean, with, without sounding uh, unduly pessimistic, the 100-meter diameter object, if it does sneak through and hit the surface of the Earth, is not an extinction-level event. It, it could be catastrophic for that area, but it's not going to take out the entire ecosystem. It's not going to wipe out the human race. The one-kilometer diameter object, could do just that and the bigger ones are easier for us to see and we have found we we're pretty confident somewhere between 95 and 99 percent of all of those big objects that are in the inner solar system so you know we now are monitoring and making sure they don't get gravitationally redirected towards us by you know an encounter with another planet so the big ones are the ones that we are finding very successfully the smaller ones as they they're harder because they're fainter and that just requires so much more time to observe um can we do anything about it? At the moment, the answer is perilously not. Uh, if, if one is, is found tomorrow that is going to impact us next week, you know, go have your biggest holiday that you'd ever wanted to have because that's really all you can do. Uh, but we're working on a number of different techniques, and this is not just NASA. This is NASA, ESA, the European Space Agency. All spacefaring countries are trying to develop ways that they can deflect these objects. But the trick to deflecting an object away from hitting us is to find it early. The deflection that you need is really small if you find it, say, a year out. It's a lot bigger deflection if you find it a week out. Uh, and a year out, we think with the technologies that we're trying out now, actually, in a number of different ways, we think we can actually deflect them. 
but the trick is to find them early, and that's why these surveys are so important and why we need to divert arguably a little bit more funding so we get to have bigger survey instruments and more of them looking across the sky. The sky is very big. It is <laughs> very big. It's hard to look in every direction simultaneously. Yeah, and you're making the case for why this is a priority because I don't think we want to be wiped out in our sleep uh, or anytime soon. Uh, precisely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you so much. Paul Delaney is 640 Toronto's expert in astronomy and space exploration, professor of physics and astronomy at York University. Go back to watching the sky, Paul. We appreciate I will. it. And I'll call you first if I see anything. Thank you. Bye.